This is Space Time, Series 24, Episode 119, for broadcast on the 20th of October, 2021. Coming up on Space Time, a new study says Earth's solid inner core could actually be quite mushy, Europe's space rider to fly in 2023, and NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter searches the road ahead. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. A new study suggests that Earth's inner core might be mushy rather than solid. Data based on seismic readings going back to the 1950s indicates that the planet's core comprises a molten iron and nickel metal outer core surrounding a solid metallic inner core located some 5,150 kilometers beneath the surface. However, new research suggests that this solid inner sphere is in fact endowed with a range of liquid, soft and hard structures which vary across the top 250 kilometers of the inner core. The findings, reported in the journal Physics of the Earth and Planetary Interiors, are based on new, more detailed seismic data. Illuminated by earthquakes in the crust and upper mantle, and observed by seismic observations across the Earth's surface, seismology offers the only direct way to investigate the inner core and its processes. See, as seismic waves generated by earthquakes move through various layers of the Earth, their speed changes, and they may reflect or refract depending on the minerals, temperature and density of the layers they're passing through. In order to infer features from the inner core, the authors utilized data from seismometers directly opposite the location where the earthquake was generated. Using Japan's Earth Simulator computer, they assess five pairings to broadly cover the inner core region, Tonga, Algeria, Indonesia, Brazil, and three between Chile and China. The study's lead author, Reed Butler, from the University of Hawaii, says in stark contrast to the homogeneous soft iron alloys considered in all Earth models of the inner core since the 1970s, the new data suggests there are adjacent regions of hard, soft and liquid or mushy iron alloys in the top 250 kilometres of the inner core. The findings place new constraints on the composition, thermal history and evolution of the Earth. The study of the inner core and discovery of its heterogeneous structure provide important new information about the dynamics, the boundary between the inner and outer core, which is important because it impacts Earth's magnetic field. See, the Earth's core acts like a geodynamo, generating the planet's protective magnetic field, which shields the Earth from the sun's solar wind and space weather events. The researchers plan to model the Earth's inner core in much finer detail using the Earth simulator and compare how that structure compares to various characteristics of Earth's geomagnetic field. This is Space Time. Still to come, the European Space Agency's space rider space plane to fly in 2023 and NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter identifies a potential interesting path forward for the mission's Perseverance rover. All that and more still to come on Space Time. The European Space Agency's proposed Space Rider Orbital Space Plane is now expected to undertake its maiden flight in late 2023. 
The reusable spacecraft, which will launch on a Vega C rocket, is designed to deploy and retrieve payloads up to 800 kilograms in low Earth orbit. Like its American X-37B counterpart, Space Rider will also serve as an unmanned space laboratory capable of orbital operations for periods of several months. The Space Rider system is based on the Vega C's Avum Plus stage and ESA's Intermediate Experimental Vehicle, or IXV, which flew in 2015. The Avum Plus upper stage will act as Space Rider's service module, providing power, attitude control and deorbit engines. Its IXV heritage will be fitted with landing gear and a multi-purpose environmentally controlled cargo bay with 1,200 litres of payload volume and access to 600 watts of power supply as well as thermal, control, data handling and telemetry capabilities. Other features will include sophisticated new avionics for manoeuvring in space and deorbiting. The 300-kilogram reusable lifting body design will provide a smooth ride back to Earth with a soft parafoil landing. ESA's Director of Space Transportation, Daniel Neunschwender, says the spacecraft will be capable of being reused for at least six flights. It's a fact that today uh, Europe does not have this capacity. And in fact, uh, at ESA, we had already a technology demonstration of a re-entry uh, on Earth, which uh, took place a few years ago in an experimental vehicle called IXV. And based on this experience, which was highly successful and launched by Vega, by the way, uh, we are now developing Space Rider during uh, low Earth orbit operations in microgravity. The vehicle can uh, turn, uh, maneuver according to the mission it has. And then at the moment in time you start the re-entry on Earth, in fact you have a dedicated angle of attack. You start to enter into the atmosphere and this is what we call a lifting body, meaning there are no uh, no plain type of structures. It's just uh, the body which has a certain angle of attack, enters into the upper parts of the atmosphere at high speed. We call it hypersonic. And then the speed is decreased through the drag. And when it starts to become subsonic, uh, you have lowered significantly the, the speed. And once you have reached a certain level, you can deploy a parafoil. And once with the parafoil deployed, you can have a precision landing on the runway somewhere in Europe. We do a call for opportunities and we will have uh, different flight opportunities uh, planned, uh, for example, in microgravity research. So if you are coming from a university, that's for sure an opportunity, like uh, in uh, material sciences or pharmaceutical uh, field, biological field at large scale. Second, we will work on commercial opportunities. And here we have already quite good exchanges. Uh, again with the pharmaceutical industry and we will look for further uh, in-orbit validation and demonstration uh, of technologies which have to be tested and qualified in space before they go on big and costly missions. That's ESA's Director of Space Transportation, Daniel Neunschwender. And this is Space Time. Still to come, NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter identifies a potentially interesting path forward and later in the science report, archaeologists feel flushed with success after discovering a 2,700-year-old dunny. All that and more still to come on Space Time.
NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter has identified a potentially interesting path forward for the mission's Perseverance rover. Like other Mars missions, Ingenuity and Perseverance have been stationary for the past couple of weeks as the red planet passes through solar conjunction. The period when Mars's orbit moves it behind the Sun as seen from Earth, making radio communications difficult. Now, with operations getting ready to resume, Perseverance mission managers are taking a close look at the South Ceta region, which is showing signs of significant scientific interest. Based on Ingenuity's data, researchers believe this site could potentially be a treasure trove of complex geology, providing information that could play a valuable role in the mission's search for past microbial life on the Red Planet. Ingenuity obtained 10 images of the area as it flew over the South Setia region at an altitude of 10 metres. The 169.5 second flight was the longest and one of the most complicated undertaken by the tiny 1.8 kilogram rotocopter since the mission first landed on the ancient dried up river delta in Jezero Crater back on February the 18th. The latest flight included multiple waypoints as Ingenuity flew from relatively nondescript terrain outside South Thetia into much more varied terrain inside, then back out again, looking for signs of layered sedimentary rock that could have been deposited by water. The flight spotted intriguing rocky outcrops accessible to the rover and safe routes the rover could take into and back out of the area. Mission managers are always concerned about the possibility of getting bogged in a sand dune. Perseverance Project scientist Ken Farley from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, says that from a science perspective, the new South Setter images are the most valuable ingenuities taken so far. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. A new study warns that at least 4 in every 10 heat-related deaths around the world can be attributed to human-induced climate change. The findings, reported in the journal Nature, are based on data from 732 locations, including Australia. Scientists found that 37% of warm-season heat-related deaths can be attributed to anthropogenic climate change and that increased mortality was evident on every continent. For Australia, the figure was in line with the global average, at around 4 in 10 heat-related deaths, or about 1% of all deaths. A new study has found that human pollution is leaving many vulnerable and endangered turtles at greater risk of disease. A report in the journal PLOS One looking at endangered sea turtles found that human pollution in the oceans is compromising their immune systems, leaving them more vulnerable to illness. The study's authors say there's a worrying knowledge gap between sea turtle disease and the microbes that are causing them, and this is posing a major threat for six out of seven endangered sea turtle species. Archaeologists have uncovered a 2,700-year-old toilet at a dig site in Jerusalem. The ancient outhouse was found in what appears to have been an ornamental garden filled with fruit trees and aquatic plants. Scientists say the Jewish John was made of limestone and designed for comfortable contemplation. Pottery and various architectural items, including stone capitals and columns that served as railings for windows, were found nearby the primitive potty. New security patches and bug resolutions have been rolled out for Apple products, Google Chrome and Windows 11. 
With the details on these stories and more, we're joined by technology editor Alex Harrow-Vroit from ity.com. Yeah, Apple launched iOS and iPadOS 15.0.2. They fixed the 17th major zero-day vulnerability in iOS 14, and now, of course, we're into iOS 15. Now, remind us what a zero-day vulnerability is. Yeah, this is a bug or a software vulnerability that is unknown to the company and is not yet fixed or patched. And so end users aren't patched with this either. And if the hackers know how to exploit it properly, they can then load any software they want onto your phone or tablet. They can copy whatever data they could buy on you, you know, activate your cameras and microphones. I mean, they effectively have full control of your device. And this could now be your, key your browser, the lot. everything, yeah. And uh, in the case of the iPhone and iPad, there is no security software like Norton Internet Security or Acronis Cyber Protect Home Office. And even if you do have those particular protective programs on your PC or Mac, if those programs don't know about a a zero-day vulnerability, they can't protect against it either. So it wouldn't even help you to have that sort of software. I have heard of that sort of software protecting you against vulnerabilities that are known but not yet patched by you, but protected by those particular programs. Mm. But those programs don't exist on iPhones and iPads. And, you know, there were were also other patches for, for example, if you had copied some photos from a message sent to you via the iMessage program and then you deleted that message thread, uh, it would delete the photos that you saved to your photo album. So that was a bit of a serious bug. But that's been patched. Also, the ability to uh, restore a backup onto a new iPhone iPhone 13 model or the new iPad mini, the sixth generation, if you're using Finder on Mac or iTunes on a PC, without this 15.0.2, that restore might not have worked, which would mean that uh, you wouldn't be able to restore your device unless you were doing it from the cloud. And it wasn't just Apple either, uh, Google, Chrome, and Windows as well. Yeah, well, Google uh, patched four major bugs, four zero-day vulnerabilities. There were newspaper articles saying, delete Google Chrome now, which were then updated to say, oh, just update. (laughs) Delete it. Not that but, we're uh, panicking here or anything. <laughs> no, no. no, those were all those were also zero-day vulnerabilities that hackers could use if they knew how to exploit the, the uh, bugs to load software onto your, onto your computer. And it's very important that when you tap on those little three dots on the right-hand side of the Google web address bar, and then you see the menu, you go down to help, and then you click on it about Google Chrome, you'll then see an update screen, and you'll see the update downloading and installing. But until you actually shut Google Chrome down and restart it again, your browser is still vulnerable. So it's very important to, once you put updates on, to either close the programs down or to restart your computer so that the patches are installed and are operational. I must admit I use Google, but I use it in Firefox, not Chrome. Well, a lot of people also are now using Microsoft Edge, which is based on the same code as Google Chrome, yes. but uh, has Microsoft's ability to spy on you as opposed to Google's, which is um, <laughs> probably not that much of a difference. But I do know that a friend had an older Celeron computer running Windows 10, and we were trying to run Binge and Stan, which are a couple of subscription video on-demand programs in Australia. And on Google Chrome, they were stopping and starting, and you could see it was chugging along. But on using Edge, it was actually running just fine. So Microsoft has clearly optimized the Chromium code to take advantage of whatever internal knowledge it has of how Windows works to make it run a lot better. So just as Safari is the best browser to use on a Mac, Edge, and of course Firefox as well, but Edge is probably the best used browser to use on your Windows machine. You remember Netscape? Remember those days? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Netscape and Mosaic. I mean, I was using all those you know, back in the early days. I still remember things like Gopher and the Windsock, you know, 3.1 or something for the Windows 3.1. Those days were a long time ago. I mean, now, of course, we're on to Windows 11. 
And as you mentioned, Windows 11 has had some bugs too. Yes. Uh, one of the bugs, one of the bugs was causing AMD processors to deliver slower performance by about three to five percent in certain apps and by up to fifteen percent in certain games. Something to do with a level two cache, something properly written in the code that Microsoft and AMD have to fix, which they're going to do. There was also a problem with Intel network cards where there was some sort of bug there. There was a memory leak in Microsoft Edge where eventually you'd have to reboot your computer to plug that leak. Uh, so you look, little little small bugs and things with Windows 11. Another good reason why you shouldn't always race to update to the latest operating system straight away. It's always good to let some of the bugs be ironed out first. That's Alex Harovroyd from ity.com. That's the show for now. Spacetime is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Spacetime's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group and other rewards. Just go to SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at Stuart Gary on Twitter, at Spacetime with Stuart Gary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 